Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Another special edition of this entrepreneurial and leadership series brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. I'm so happy that they're sponsoring this series because we're getting some quality guests, some quality CEOs, some entrepreneurs, some leaders who really understand leadership, real-life leaders who are down in the nitty-gritty making it happen. And Equity Bank knows all about that. They know how to t- what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been exciting and a privilege to work with them. It's been exciting and a privilege to have them part of the show. And it's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest-growing banks in the Midwest. Equity Bank is now listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, and they have locations all across Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas, and they're growing. It'll be exciting to see where they're going to be in the next five to 10 years. Clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. So if you feel like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, then you're going to want to check out my friends at Equity Bank. You want to work with them because they truly understand your needs, what it means to be an entrepreneur, to be a leader today's fast-paced world. Go check him out at equitybank.com. I'm excited to have on the show Victor Lukic. He's the president of Great Plains Industries. Great Plains Industries was founded in 1972. It's privately held. They're respected globally for its high-quality fuel transfer pump, fuel meters, flow meters, and industrial instrumentation for fluid transfer pump and liquid flow flow meter markets around the world. Their products are manufactured here in the United States, here in Wichita, Kansas, and they have more than 200 employees. Again, the headquarters are here in Wichita, Kansas, but they got locations in Sydney and Mexico City as well. Now, Victor joined GPI as president in November of 2012, following the unexpected death of Grant Nutter. And Victor has extensive experience in companies which manufactured proprietary products. Uh, For example, he's worked in diverse industries such as truck bodies to cabinets to pumps. And he's got this amazing mechanical engineering mind, but he's such a what I call a renaissance man. I mean, he's traveled all over the world, lived all over the world, and we talk about that here in this conversation. And uh, since he's joined GPI, we talk about his passion for process improvements for lean programs, how he assembled an innovation team and led a rebranding effort, and, he, and he's just I, one of my favorite conversations in a long time. You're really going to enjoy listening to Victor here 
on this special entrepreneurial and leadership series of Dose of Leadership brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Victor, I'm so excited to sit down and talk with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Man, you've got a storied um, career from a leadership perspective. How did you get here? How did you, and we were talking before the recording in Yugoslavia, Toronto, Kansas City, California, and you're here in Wichita. How did you get here? I mean, how did you get to this leadership role? Ah, that's a good question. Well, I, you know, the leadership, I, I, it wasn't a plan. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, I didn't wake up and, and think to myself, I, I got to be a CEO. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a sort of a sequence of, uh, of, of events, you know, when I got, when I started working. And uh, so being an employee, you start to observe mm-hmm. uh, the leadership around you. And I thought to myself, you know, this is not really all that effective. I, I don't, you know, the, the way in which they interact with me, with other people, it's, it, it's, it's not, not it doesn't produce the results that it could. And, uh, and as, I, as I moved through uh, my career and it, and it progressed, um, I just kept thinking about how would I receive this if I was on the other side. Um, and I don't know whether that was what, what uh, ended up uh, putting me further and further into the management chain. But, you know, every time I had an opportunity to be in a leadership role, I practiced the art of what would I what would I be doing on the on the bottom end? How would I be perceiving my leadership style? You know that's impressive because it's so true. I've always said, and I think back to all the examples of leadership I've been exposed to, the greatest lessons have been sometimes from those really poor examples, right? Yeah. And the fact that you had the awareness and the ability to go, man, I'm not going to do that. And then, but but the I'm curious about. Okay, so you're given a leadership role. So it wasn't your plan, and it's always funny. A lot of people always say that. They, I never thought I would be in this role. What was the intention? What was the idea when you got your degree at Ryerson University, when, you, when you're entering the workforce? What was the intention? Well, originally it was, uh, I mean, I just wanted to be an engineer, yeah. you know, and, um, and so that's what I did. I, I started off uh, designing electric heaters, and, and uh, then I thought, man, there's more to it than this, mm. and, and uh you know, just this ineffectiveness of 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 the people that were providing leadership to me and to other right. engineers, um, I would end up stepping up to do some of the things that that I thought. Well, we we need some guidance, we need some encouragement, we need some direction on some of this stuff, um, and so that you know, it just sort of evolved, little, you know, piece by piece. Um, but the willingness to go. I'm not going to stay. I'm going to do something different, right? That's, I think that's a little different sometimes, particularly people with, and I've worked with a lot of engineers, you know, the engineering mindset, you know, and it's a certain type of mindset. You have it, but you're also said, you know, I'm going to, this ain't right. I'm going to change the world, right? So wh- where did that come from, do you think? Yeah, well, you know, uh, so I'm an immigrant. As you said, I was mm-hmm. born in, in former Yugoslavia. I was just a small kid when we left. So we had nothing. I mean, my nothing. family had zero. And so when, when we ended up in Canada, you know, going through Australia and, and uh, in high school, and we have nothing. And so I, I realized, you know, it was my mom's value system that if you want to get something, you're going to have to work for it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that work ethic was there very early on. And, I, and so I just, you know, working, progressing through, and I realized that, you know, for me personally to – to grow, I had to make a lot of 
effort into into doing that. Uh, and you know, to go back to the engineering piece, um, within very short period of time, I realized that the people that made the money and the people that had <laughs> you know had really the ability to influence mm-hmm. uh, the business were the the guys up at the top. And and I'm receiving their leadership style and thinking this is really not very effective. So I started thinking along the lines, how would I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and and just you know, every time that I had an opportunity to be in a leadership role, I would try to model that. Yeah. Uh, and and that that appealed to me because you're right. Most engineers we like being in slightly dark rooms, caves. <laughs> Leave us alone. You know, we'll we'll work on something and we'll give you the answer and 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 yeah. then just go away. Yeah, leave an engineer to engineer, engineer it to death, right? That's what they want to do, right? That's yeah. what gets them excited, right? But yeah. the fact that you, I love it. The combination, though, I think, Victor, is such a powerful combination because, and I can sense it from you, I can see it from you, you've got this humble, I say this on the show a lot, you got this humble, teachable spirit. But inside, I see this intensity of will combined with that, right? And that combination of that hum- humility with the teachable spirit with that intensity of will is a very makes for a very effective leader and i don't know if you've seen it that way you look at it that way but i think some of the you know you're you're, you're quiet you're soft spoken but i'm looking at you and i know that people can't can't see you you have this intensity about you that this composed intensity right and is that a fair assessment of you i mean i see that in you i see that inside of you uh, yeah, you know that people would, that I think everybody would tell you that I that I can be intense, but but um, and and if you were to come into GPI today and ask some of the people that work with me on a regular basis, you know they know me now f- six years later, and so they know that a lot of it is really an act because uh, you know I'll get I'll get very uh, dramatic to, because I, I'm start to realize that a point hasn't been made, so I'll <laughs> right. so I'll, I'll I'll make a show out of it, uh, and then we'll just back off. So you know we will have this high energy intensity, but but yeah, I mean I think I, I am I, uh, I I would imagine most people in leadership roles would would need you know you got to have a lot of energy to keep absolutely. Keep going. And I think to be an effective one, um, a really effective one, it's the combination. I sometimes I see you know and even in some very um, uh, visible leaders, famous leaders that we see, they're either one or the other. They're they're too extreme on one end, right? They're mm-hmm. either too humble and you know they don't have that intensity. They're they're almost laissez faire, right? Or the other side, they're almost like it's all about charisma and type A and this and that, and it's, they don't have that humility piece. That's where you get a lot of the egocentric side of leadership, right? right. I see that in a lot of politics, or obviously, rather the egocentric side of leadership, right? right? right. And there's still a belief, I even working in the corporate arena for 16, 17 years, this perception or this belief that you have to be this larger-than-life, charismatic, egocentric force to be an effective leader. And I just don't buy into that. What are your thoughts on that? No, you're right. I mean, just before we started this, we were talking a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And you're right because it isn't about you driving the organization it's about the organization transforming into driving itself yeah so you have to push the you know get that you have to mobilize the workforce get the energy into the organization because it can't come from one individual right you know i, I was um a little while back uh, uh when i was with grunfoss was there for 12 years with these guys and so the chairman asked me uh, over dinner and he and he said um we were having this philosophical discussion he said because how are you going to know when you've sort of reached the highest level 
of your career, when you've been really the most effective. And I said, well, the day that I could walk out of this company and absolutely nothing changes for years, that's when I have done my job the best, right? What a great because the organization is now truly independent. Right. It's, it's functioning on its own. It knows what to do. Everybody knows what, what their role is, and there's an energy in the company. And if, 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 you, if that energy relies on the individuals on the top, the few at the top, uh, it could easily get misdirected. Yeah. You know, one person, you just, there's a, you know, Peter Principal guy made a lot of money on that book. But it's true because if, if it's controlled from the top down, you do hit your Peter Principal. But That's if right. the energy is in the organization, there is no Peter Principal. It's endless. That's right. Uh, it's, yeah. it's so refreshing. It gives me, I mean, honestly, it gives me goosebumps to hear that because I've been saying that for five years on this show and, it, and I can't tell you how many times I've butted heads in the real world, in the consulting world, to get people to understand what you just articulated, right? Mm-hmm. Why, where do you think that clarity for you came from and when? Because, I mean, you, I know you already said early on, you were like, man, this ain't working. I want to change it. I mean, even from your earliest entry-level positions, you were seeing it. Mm-hmm. So when did it really become clear to you that the goal or your primary mission is to infuse the energy in the organization? That really is your sole response or your primary responsibility, isn't it? To get the energy, as you said, the power into the organization. I love the way you phrased that. How do we do that? My God. I mean, that that is the keystone to significance and, and legacy building sustainability, right? I mean, yeah. How do you get there? Well, you know, I think one of the one of the challenges, you know, when you get into the leadership role, is that uh, you're usually surrounded with, by people above you mm-hmm. that have the mindset that you know you you should be controlling things. So, anytime that I've gone in for job interviews, you know, for for CEO roles, I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, usually, I can sense when I'm not the right person for the company, and it usually comes from this. Um, if the expectation is that I'm going to command and control, mm. I'm not your guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if but you're expecting me to mobilize the organization, and and it can be for a lot of people can be very unusual approach, right? Because there's an expectation by the board members that you should have all the answers. Well, well you can't. I mean, the answers are in the organization, not with me. So, so you know, just doing that. But one of the one of the to answer your question more specifically, one of the um, I, I still remember this point in my time. I was designing heating systems and very complicated stuff. We were doing, we were making heaters for Atomic Energy of Canada, so in, not much room for error. Uh, and the guy, he was a pilot. Uh, he was a pilot for the Canadian Air Force, um, and, and he was a training pilot. A very one of the nicest people I ever worked for. And, uh, and his name was Ted. So I sat down with, uh, and he was my boss. So I sat with him, and we were having some issues with the design. And, and finally, Ted came sat back and very gently he said he goes you know Vic if you want this to be right you need to take your concept and go down to the production floor and talk to the guys that are doing the welding the cutting that are going to actually assemble this thing and ask them what they think he said take the time and just go ahead and do that because if you can get that information from these guys every one of your designs is going to be at its best And, and I did that, and that experience you know, is still memorable. And this is going back a number of years. And I thought, wow, you know, the people that have the knowledge, that, that know how to do things, are the operators, the ones that are on the floor doing the work. Yeah. And if you 
come to them with this humble approach and and ask for their input and and it has to be very sincere because Absolutely. they they yeah. you know you have they have they have to be comfortable with the fact that i don't I don't have the answers, even even though I was the one that that has the engineering degree. But when we established that trust, mm-hmm. they were very very willing to, to to be open, to be sharing, to to tell me, you know, this this you can't, I can't weld this. If I do it, it won't it won't be very good. But if you change it this way, then then we can we can make this work. And so those experiences ended up we ended up making some of the best heating systems the company had ever made. And so we that was my progression from that. And then I. Uh, then I really embraced the Lean and Six Sigma. Mm. And I've been through this uh, black belt program a number of times. Ironically enough, I don't actually have a black belt <laughs> certificate because I always gave it to somebody that was in the organization actually doing the work. Interesting. I guided them yeah. through that. They needed my authority to get things done, but they were the ones that got the, uh, you know, the belt. But when you go through that program, one of the fundamentals of Lean thinking is that the energy, the knowledge is in the org- The operators know the work. It's there. And so they're the ones that are actually evolving the company, not you. You're just there to guide them. You know, it's great that you picked that out. You know, there's a lot of people that go through Lean Six Sigma that, that don't glean that in very important part. I love that you brought that up because it's absolutely essential and it's true, right? What great insight and gifts early on in your career to see that, right? That, that it's not about you as the leader not having the answers it's like the primary role like you said i love how you phrase it is to get the power the energy in there but to do that it's understanding that and this is why i hate the word empowered because it it assumes that i've taken power away from you or you need the power what you've just said and i think that you and i both believe is that you already have the power the goal is then what are the tools, the tactics, the techniques to reveal that power so it comes out of you that's already inherent within you, right? Right. And that's how I see leadership. You have the skills. You have all the skills you, right now to be the leader that someone needs you to be today. And so your goal is to figure out what is that leader that I need to be for this person, persons to organization today, right? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Does mm-hmm. that resonate with you? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Oh, that's so, so refreshing to hear, Victor. I can't tell you how much that gets me jazzed because I think that when you look, well, let's talk about some of the, the, the times where you've, you've had to in your career with all the organizations you've worked at, you've had to fight that kind of Frederick Winslow Taylor perception, right, of management. Mm-hmm. Tell me about those times where you've come head to head with that, that kind of old mentality based on what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, I mean, I, and I and I have had, you know, those were the. I was very, very fortunate early on in my career that I that I, you know, I don't know whether uh, divine intervention or what happened, but I ended up in organizations that that fit my my paradigm, fit my belief system mm-hmm. in how you did this, and, and I was also very fortunate that I actually had. And it's a, it's an interesting word that you use, empowerment. It, it just happened so that the last three days we had our leadership development summit for three days, uh, and and I did that with with Brian from WSU. Uh, well, one of the topics that we that we that we talked about was empowerment, and uh, you know, and it's a badly abused word mm-hmm. because you know it's sort of like it can be misused and it can be. Um, it can be wrongly used, but but it's really a simple relationship. The empowerment you can only empower somebody 
to the degree to which their skills and their experience allow them to be. Right. So, you know, you don't want to go give, uh, you know, the, the, the guy who doesn't, he's flown Cessna 162s to go fly a 747, right? right. Because he's probably going to kill everybody. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that there's always that balance and that you're moving people forward with the empowerment stuff. But, um, it, getting, you know, getting that, getting to that, to that place where, um, where, we we're we're mobilizing the organization. You 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 got to get inside it so that there is so that so that this empowerment transformation is taking place, and it's and it's deliberate, right? I mean, it's yeah, deliberate from piece to piece. Yeah, you know, uh, the other interesting question that came up uh, recently was if you look at the empowerment spectrum, right? It's a balance between authority and your skill set and experience. So. But somebody has to step into higher authority, perhaps without having the experience, right? Or they are, they are, they have too much experience, but they don't have enough power. Right. And the question was, where do you prefer for people to be? In a place where they have more skill set than than power, or do you put them in a place a little bit uncomfortable, and then they learn to take, you know, to mm -hmm. grow into their power? And I think it's both. It depends on the personality. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago, and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side -side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Because you're right, it's almost a depend. We have such a dependency from a cultural standpoint or popular culture standpoint that we put so much emphasis on talent, thinking that talent is what's going to give us the results, right? And the talent, from what I'm hearing, is is that's the given piece. You got to be good at something, right? It's a given that if I'm going to fly 737s for American Airlines, that I know how to fly in every in the worst case conditions possible, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't have given me that. But just because I can maybe do do it better than the next guy doesn't mean I could be an effective leader of all the pilots for the organization, right? right. Two different skill sets. And so what I'm hearing you say is like, yeah, it, it depends on the both. But I guess where, I've, where I tend to see where the organizations make the mistake is that they put that emphasis on the talent piece. I'm like, oh, well, he's such a good salesperson. Mm -hmm. So right. let's make them the leader of the salespeople. Right. And his talent expertise on leading other salespeople could be 
And that's right. where we make the mistake, right? We put that emphasis right. on the talent piece. So one of the things that I, you know, so you asked, how, how do you sort of evolve into this? So, one, so it, you know, really understand lean was really great for me because it, it, it really uh, emphasized and strengthened the belief to go from the inside out in, in the yeah. organization. You got to mobilize the operators. But the other huge piece of this and, and one of the most overlooked and the most challenging part is understanding the personalities, yeah. the people personalities. Because what happens is that there's, there's two elements to this. One is the person individuals. Each individual, we're all wired differently. Mm -hmm. uh, not good or bad, we're just wired differently. Uh, and then the organization has a collective personality from all of the people that have authority that are in the position of decision-making right. and power, right? And so then where the conflict arises is between the personalities. So, you know, if you have somebody that's introverted, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not a particularly aggressive individual, and then you're up against sort of the typical sales personality where they're very assertive, mm -hmm. they're very outgoing, very outspoken. They get together in a room. What the dynamic is that the sales guy steamrolls the other guy. Right. And, and, and when they, they, when they're done with the conversation, the sales guy, will always come out of that say, thinking to himself, well, that that was good. That, that I really, uh, you know, that, that went really well. But when you ask the other person, they, you know, their answer might be this, this guy, he's, he's, you know, he didn't hear anything I had to say. Mm -hmm. So, so you have to manage that piece of the dynamic, uh, inside the organization to be able to grow that leadership effectively. And then there's this collective, um, uh, personality that the organization has we spent two days out of the three on this topic wow. with gpi because it was really crucial that the leadership team understood how we collectively behaved and we have you know some of the things that we criticize ourselves on we're not going fast enough with new product development well when you take a look at the collective personality profile we do it to ourselves. We slow ourselves down mm. because we want to be more cautious than probably we need to be. Uh, and we want to be a little more de deliberate. But as a group, we don't spend enough time really looking at the details that, that so you have this conflict going on inside the organization. So the guys that are assertive, that are outspoken, take over the meeting. Yeah. And they, you know, and it's sort of, it's, it's advocacy, right? There, everybody goes into, there's no empathic listening. It's just an advocate, right, you, you know, exchange. You, right. And then whoever's the most assertive in that group gets to advocate their point of view. And then you usually run out of time and then everybody goes away. And so the guys that were doing their advocating, they go, oh, that went really well. <laughs> right. And then the rest of the group, then you have the meeting after the meeting because right. all of the silent ones that are not as assertive, they go, well, that was really bad. Yeah. You know, and, and we address that. We address that whole meeting after the meeting syndrome that happens as a result of not managing the personality types effectively. And so, you know, one of the things that I do is uh, use predictive index, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's Myers-Briggs, there's sure. DISC, there's, yeah, you know, yeah. you name them, it's probably a hundred or more. But predictive index is easy to do, uh, kind of tells you what you need to know. But what, what, what I do is I, I, I do that for everybody on the leadership team, and then I give everybody everybody's profile. Right, so you know what you're dealing with. So everybody knows who they're dealing with. Yeah. And then we say, okay, how do we manage you know, our very, very aggressive, assertive, very effective sales guy 
with our accountant who really doesn't want to talk to anybody. Right. And he's pretty pliable. Uh, and because those two guys, you know, will, will naturally conflict, right? Right. And one guy will steamroll, the other guy won't say anything, then they'll part, and then the guy that didn't say anything is going to go, well, that, you know, that guy's, right. he's nev- that's never going to work. Right. Right. So, so we, we, we move uh, forward with understanding our individual wiring uh, and then working on how do we effectively interact. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I can tell you genuinely, I've never been in an organization where people show up to work and go, I, I, I don't, I hate this. I'm going to sabotage this. I'm, you know, I'm not going right. to be, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to work. I don't want to. Most people come to work. Because they want to provide value, right? Because that's what feels good, right? right. I mean, if you do something and you kind of go, "Wow, look at that! I I accomplished something." Most people are going to feel that way. Yeah. Certainly, a hundred percent of people at GPI feel that way. I'm I have no doubt about that. But, but the personality conflicts prevent that dynamic from being effective. Yeah, right. It's that that churn that you're talking about in, in managing that. I, maybe you're going to get to this, but how, how do we, and I agree, we've all been there, we've all seen it. It is, it is one of the challenges. We're human beings, right? Mm-hmm. We can't put everything in a box. And as a CEO, to me, is the way to, part of the way to combat that or, or effectively address that is that making sure people know what we stand for as an organization and why, right? Because if I know that, if I know where we're going and why, and you're communicating that to me, if I'm the assertive, aggressive sales force, and then I got the introverted accountant sitting over here, I mean, if if I'm advocating, as you said, because where does advocacy come from? It's because I'm trying to every organization do it. If you don't know what that is, then I'm going to create my silo because it's in my interest to advocate for my survival. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I know what we're trying to accomplish and why, and I'm, and I'm, and everybody else does it, I'm advocating. Maybe people go, well, why are you advocating for that? Because that's not in line with where the ship Mm -hmm. is going. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is Is that the best way to combat that or how? Because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an introverted leader and I fought that for years thinking that I couldn't be an effective leader being an introvert, but I found that you can be. Right? Yes, yes. So how, how, how do we combat that? How do we, where do you, you just, this is fresh information for you. So where do you go next? How do you combat that, those personality conflicts? Right. So, I mean, that's, it's really a, a great question because one of the things that, um, you, you're absolutely right. I think if an organization doesn't have a vision mm-hmm. that's 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 clear, it's understood, people believe it, right? There's some years back, I was being interviewed by by a recruiter, and and he, he we were talking about this, and and I was telling him about getting people mobilized. He says, "Yeah, you want them to buy in." I go, "No, no, I, I don't want them to buy. I want them to believe in this." Mm. So a very uh, powerful difference, right? Very powerful. So he kept coming back to this. He said, no, you don't understand. If people believe in something, that you could wake them up at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're going to tell you what they believe in. Mm-hmm. But if they bought into something, if you wake them up at 2 o'clock in the morning, they're going to have to go look it up somewhere to remember <laughs> what is it that they bought, right? Yeah, great point. And, and so you have to create the vision in an organization that everybody believes in, mm-hmm. right? And so the question is, how do you do that? I mean, how do you put a vision together that everybody in the organization believes in. So without being effective at developing that vision, in other words, engaging all the personalities that are key to the organization Mm -hmm. so that that vision 
becomes part of their vision and they are believing, you know, they, they develop and so therefore they believe in it. If, if you don't understand the, the, the strengths of personalities, what can happen, what usually happens is you get together in a leadership group and all of the guys that are very assertive, aggressive, they're the ones that drive that. Right. And then they come out of it and they go, okay, this is what should be our vision. And, and, uh, and meanwhile, half of the group is going, yeah, we don't really believe in that. Right. And so I, you know, th- that's one of the more difficult things to do, but, but it is one of the things that I spend a lot of energy on managing the dynamic between the people that generally are okay not speaking and those that are perfectly okay talking all the time. Yeah. And so we manage that process. You know, we, we, we make everybody aware of what it is, and then we engage the people that don't speak uh, be- because usually they're the thinkers. Yeah, they're, you know, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I, I told the, you know, we have a CFO that's just awesome. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's the biggest rock star I've ever worked with for, and doesn't get any better than him. But he, but he doesn't say much. Uh, and so as we were going through this, I said to the group, I said, you know, um, as we move forward, you got to reflect on on a couple of things. One of them is that we have to call the CFO out to actually say, we have to give him the ability to say something. And it usually takes time for him to say something. But, you know, in the six years I've been there with the company, there's never been a moment where when I've asked him to make a comment that it wasn't something some that I didn't learn from that. Something of value Never. came out of it. Yeah. Never did I say oh, that was a waste of time. I mean, everything that comes from him has been thought through. Yeah. While the talkers, you're thinking as you're talking. Right. And some of the stuff I kind of don't really want to know. Right. So what, what we do is we manage the process of coming to a common vision and yeah. ensuring that the people that, that are the thinkers are fully engaged because yeah. then the entire organization um, – you know, will believe in what what we're what we're doing, and it's also easy to to then pass it through the entire organization. Yeah, when that entire leadership group is, uh, you know, really believes it. That intentionality behind that emo- stretching that emotional quotient muscle, right? That really is a primary function of you as the CEO, right? And I can envision you. I can sit there and envision you. And, you know, sitting back and making sure you're aware of when it's happening, right? And then interjecting and pulling, right? I, I, it resonates with me because as a good aircraft commander in a, in a plane, you have to do that, right? And it's because so many accidents have happened because of the dynamic type A personality. Sit down and shut up, you know, in trying to get that introverted co-pilot to speak up. No, sir, you're about to crash into the mountain, right? And right. Ac- there's been tons of accidents over the history of aviation, where that introverted leader was so intimidated by that type A strong personality mm-hmm. that smashing into the mountain was a better alternative than, yeah. <laughs> right? Human beings are weird that yeah. way, but that, it, it's happened. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, having that awareness to try to extract that, that, that looks like a primary part of your job. Mm-hmm. Ah, I can't imagine. Uh, of Is that where you spend most of your time, do you think? Along with the, because well, it's all kind of tied in the vision, but. Is that your primary role again, facilitator, vision creator? What is it? Yeah, it it it, it is it is facilitating uh, the vision creation and yeah. and then the continuous, you know, because things never stand still. I mean, you're right. always you know you know how it is flying an airplane. I mean, it you're constantly recalculating where you're going next, and mm-hmm. and uh, you have to do that. And that's that's what I you know I I'll sit there and I go where. What's the company going to look like 10 years from now? 
It's a constant, it's, it's just a cerebral event, right? I mean, to be in that role, it's more cerebral than, than tactical, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of times people get in and they, they, they think it's a tactical role, but to me, it seems like the C, a successful CEO leadership role is so cerebral, Hmm. right? Yeah. And intention and an intentionality behind it because, and I would imagine you seem like a guy that's been pretty self-aware of himself. I don't know, or you've put some intentionality behind your self-awareness and your improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, do you, what do you do on a constant? Because, and that's, that's the thing, you get thrust into these roles and you think, oh, well, I'm not prepared. Well, no, you never feel prepared, right? And you, so you, it's like changing a tire going down the highway, right? You have to figure it out. Yeah. And you, you have to be that leader that someone needs today. At the same time, you need to be constantly disciplined and consistently improving your own leadership abilities, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, what do you have any disciplined habits? I mean, what what do you do to improve your leadership ability? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I really thought about that, but um, yeah, I mean, I solicit feedback mm-hmm. um, so from the organization. Uh, do everything that I can to have an environment where all the people that I work with are comfortable in calling me out. So making you know, sure that you're, pro- yeah. Be- you know, one of the things that I that I say quite regularly to to the to the group, uh, and you know, they're 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 sort of acting on that. I, I would start off with say, but I don't know what I'm talking about, and and I say that on purpose because I want them to feel comfortable to sort of go, okay, he doesn't know what he's talking about, so it's okay to pick and apart. He's okay with it, yeah. You know, yeah, it's okay to pick apart what he says mm-hmm. because you know you're going to be wrong. Um, you hope you're right, but you'll have occasions where you're not going to be, you won't be right. But, and I, and I'm, I'm not an especially a, a assertive guy. You know, I'm, I'm on the assertive side for sure. Cause when I look at my, my personality profile, I'm not the meager guy. I'm the one on the other side. That's, mm-hmm. but I'm not off the chart. I don't have to have absolutely everything my way all the time right. and, 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 and no other way. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of a moderate introverted communicator if i'm sitting here with you and we need to talk about a subject matter that's passionate for me well i can talk about that but if we're going to talk about trivia stuff i'd rather be in a cave somewhere and not talk to anybody right and i'm good with both right so i but i know that about myself and i know that i need to uh, be consciously seeking feedback Mm. and i do that through through making statements like i don't know what i'm talking about but but this is what i'm thinking Uh, and that that enables it gives the group the right to kind of go, okay, now that's not right. Or you know, here's what I think. You got a couple of them good, but this is no good. Uh, and so that you're always in that sort of mm-hmm. cultural state you know, yeah. where the organization is is given the the license to think and put their perspective into any any of these decisions that we go through. Yeah, I love that. I mean, again, so many things that that. Just in sitting here face to face and talking, and again, that intensity of will that I talked about, the humble, teachable spirit, not afraid about being wrong. I say that I think that is critical. The moment that you can stop worrying about, you don't want to be wrong, but the moment you can stop worrying about being wrong, your whole life can be transformed, right? Yeah. And it's and it's almost embracing the failures, uh, looking at failure as a nonsensical word. What does it even mean to fail, right? Mm-hmm. And you're always striving for excellence, striving for improvement pushing yourself out of comfort zone, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. These are the things that I see you mm-hmm. uh, that are essential leadership traits, but I, I see that in you. And, and um, I wish more CEOs would have that, <laughs> that kind of humble, teachable 
it's a, you're a perfect example of where you don't have to have this John Wayne-esque charisma personality to be an effective leader. You still have a strong presence, but yet you're, like I said, like I, I see the introvert in you. I see the, the, the humbleness, but I see this intensity too. It's just a, it's a powerful combination. I don't know if you ever looked at it that way, <laughs> but no, I think it's great. And uh, what's, what's new and exciting for Great Plains? What, what's down the pike? I mean, you're just fresh off of this leadership and kind of exposing all of your warts and this is what we can figure out personality wise but what what are you excited about if we're talking a year from now what are you hoping to be saying well it's it's been you know it's been nearly six years uh, for me with with the company and it's just been the whole time it it has been a process of getting you know collins he wrote an entire book on a single sentence you know put the right people in the right, right. seat right uh a, a, you know a great metaphor uh, and that's what i've been doing i was just trying to get people in the organization in the right, right place seat, yeah. and then filling the spots that we didn't have anybody that had the skill set experience to be able to do that. And so, you know, five, six years later, we've arrived to a place where we had that leadership group that all, you know, all the key spots are filled. The challenge was to get them to work effectively together, yeah. more effectively. Because yeah. we, we were still, our behavior wasn't where we all knew it sh- could be, should be. So we did that, uh, and and the the organization is is backed by a, a wonderful family, people that genuinely care for the community. By the way, I, I got to throw a pitch. I love Wichita. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. from former Yugoslavia, Hungarian mother lived in Australia, Canada, California. This is my favorite place. Awesome. And, and I and I work with really awesome people. They they care about the community. They care about providing to, for families that are part of our organization, and they want this to go on forever and a day. And the original founder, uh, you know, felt the same way. So we needed to get to the place where we could start to really hydroplane, you know, really get the organization to, mm-hmm. to start to grow. And I think we, we are at that place. We have a lot of new product on the horizon uh, on both pumps and the meter side of it. I mean, this is all in the hopper, ready to go. Uh, some of it is already coming out. Uh, and our energy level is uh, is just through the roof. And people great. really want to make things happen. That's exciting. And I tell you, Victor, it's been a real pleasure to sit down and talk with you. There's so much more I wanted, would, could dive with you on. I, I look forward to staying in touch with you and, and having these further cerebral conversations about leadership. But I think you're, like I said, a, a unique and fresh um, uh, option in this sea of this command and control, you know, old style of leadership. And what you're talking about is is exactly what we talk about here on the show and gets us excited, gets me excited. And it's been a true uh, privilege and honor to get to know you. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's awesome. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series of Dose of Leadership brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure you, to subscribe to Dose of Leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts, all of my episodes, and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.